Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I'm a female leader in sports. I'm the general manager of a AAA baseball team in minor league baseball, and I'm the first woman to hold this title in nearly 20 years. And I'm here with the Leadership is Female podcast to make sure that this amount of time never goes by again before another woman leads. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to interview successful women in sport to uncover opportunity, learn the tips, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes to get you to the top faster. Join me and my guests week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. I will lead her forward because leadership is female. Hey leaders, let me be blunt. Sometimes in order to level up, you've got to get a new job. Because of this awesome community we have created here for engaged sports professionals and leaders in adjacent industries, opportunities are floating to this community. Do you want to hear about them? I want to share these new opportunities with you. Recently, I've included listings of available jobs in our newsletter and will continue to do so. If you aren't on that newsletter list, you can add your email at leadershipisfemale.com. And if you are hiring, email me at my personal email, emilyjansen at gmail.com, so that I can share your open role. If we want to continue to add diverse, talented leaders to our businesses, we have to look for new ways to recruit this diverse talent. 80% of our listeners on the Leadership is Female podcast are women. Find your next great hire here. Let's go. Today, we welcome Jill Kelly to the Leadership is Female podcast. Jill begins her second year with the New York Jets as the team's vice president of legal affairs. Jill joined the club after an almost 15-year legal career with broad experience in tax, commercial, entertainment law, and sports wagering. In her first season with the team, Jill was part of a group of Jets executives responsible for expanding the Jets women's organization, the JWO, to encompass the many women affiliated with the team, including staff members, wives, and significant others of coaches, players, and football personnel. Serving as a unique outlet to positively impact the workplace industry and community, the JWO worked with Dress for Success, Northern New Jersey, an organization that seeks to empower women with training and a network of support. Jill is one of the original members of the team's social justice, diversity, and inclusion team. The team works with players and staff to develop strategies, relationships, and programs to best serve the team and its surrounding community. In December of 2020, the organization identified and partnered with four social justice organizations. Jill continues to actively volunteer as a mentor and contributor to two of those organizations, the All-Stars Project and the Innocence Project. Jill has so much to share on how to nail an interview, how to develop your own personal board of directors and what to look for with those individuals, that you can in fact have it all, but you can't have it all every day. Think of balance as cyclical and it does not need to be within a 24 hour period. Take your job, but not yourself seriously. And also so much information on becoming an active listener, being present and taking the focus off yourself and how being an active listener can benefit your career, how to do it and how it changed Jill's career forever. Jill is warm, approachable and wicked smart. I know you'll enjoy and learn so much from her. 
So let's go. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast, Jill Kelly, Vice President of Legal Affairs for the New York Jets. So excited to have you. Thank you, Emily. It's so great to be here. So I want to kick it to you, Jill, and ask uh, who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Yeah, sure. So you know, I've, I've, um, my name is Jill, and I'm actually from Bristol, Connecticut, which is a big sports town, home of ESPN. Um, in addition to my job as vice president of legal affairs for the Jets, I am married, and I've got two little ones, Eli and Violet. They're five and seven, so you know, just <laughs> just doing the mom grind. Um, but yeah, so so with the Jets, I oversee the legal aspects of the team. And that ranges from everything from sponsorship deals to ticket and suite sales, um, multimedia content, everything you'll see on our website or our social media pages, um, vendor deals and technology issues like data privacy, IT, all of that stuff and employment issues. So it really runs the gamut of kind of touch every every department in law. <laughs> so that's that's what I do. And you just came off the draft. What was that like going through an NFL draft where we're sort of all coming back to life, having in-person events? The draft has become this sort of mega event. Used to be televised, you know, somewhat watched, and now it's become huge. What did that look like for you in your role and for the Jets? Yeah, it, it was funny because I started with the Jets um, in 2020, a few weeks before the pandemic. And so I remember last year with the draft, um, just it was the first event following, you know, the global shutdown of everything where people really congregated for, for a sport event on, and watched it on TV. So it was um, that was fascinating, you know, to really focus on, on the minutiae of the draft from a different perspective. This year, it's funny, there's there's a lot of prep work that goes into it from, you know, behind the scenes and in the, the, like I was saying, the technology, the content that goes on our sites. But the draft itself, there wasn't too much for me to do during it. So it was actually nice to be able to um, enjoy some of it. It's kind of like the stuff you do before and after the draft that gets busy. And then right after that's the schedule release. And again, it's you know, we put our teams put together video segments and, you know, if they're going to shoot off location, we need location permits and, and agreements and releases in place. So there's all that that prep work that goes around the events and then the events themselves, you can kind of exhale because fortunately I'm not the one, you know, picking our new quarterback. So, so I can just enjoy those, those moments. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of what it was like. And it's, it's still busy now. Um, I think people think that, oh, you must be slow right now. I get that a lot because we're not in the season and that, oh, you're very busy in the fall. And I think in some ways it's the opposite because the seasons have a cadence to them and you can, you kind of know what to expect, you know what your schedule is and, and the, the issues you're going to have to deal with. Um, but right now is all the prep work that goes into that season. So it's working on those sponsorship deals, um, you know, meeting new vendors, doing all that prep work so that we can have a successful uh, season. And yeah, I would say my busiest time like from is now and then it'll slow down in July a bit um, after camp and you know the players and coaches, everybody kind of gets a reprieve before the start of the preseason. And then August, at least last year, I think again this year, August is certainly the busiest time of year for me because everyone's now trying to finalize everything that they've been putting off. 
right before the start of the regular season. So it's a lot of late nights in August. So my, my summer vacation with my kids is over in July. <laughs> it's basically my, uh, my cycle. Yeah. I hear you. We experienced something really similar in baseball. You're hustling for the off season, trying to get all of the business side of the things done. And then once the season starts, it's mostly operating. Um, there are, you know, things that come up, but the busy time is really when you got to get the work done in the off season. I, I hear you there. What do you think it's going to be like opening a football season in 2021? I mean, we all went through this crazy ride of 2020 through the pandemic. What's it going to feel like come August? Well, I think, I think, you know, people are craving these out, the, just being together again in 3D. I think we've all realized how much we've missed out on sporting events and other entertainment events, concerts, just being together. And the, you know, the energy of an NFL game alone, like, every, you know, especially on Sundays, it's, it's, it's everything. So I think it's just going to be more amplified. For me, it's, it's going to be incredibly exciting because last year when I had my first regular season, I went to a few games, socially distanced and, you know, sat in a suite, but it was like being at a scrimmage because it was so quiet. You know, there's music pumping in and everything, but just having an empty stadium wasn't the true experience. So, so I just think it's going to be just phenomenal this year. I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm so excited. Yeah. That's really, I mean, sports is as much the product on the field as it is the people that you're celebrating with and cheering with around you. So I think it's going to be an incredible homecoming for for football, for the Jets, for the NFL. And I want to ask you, Jill, you have not worked in sports your whole career. So talk to us about earning this role at the Jets. What was that like? How did you get the job? How did you stand out to get the job? Tell us the story. Yeah, sure. Well, I'll take a step back and give you a little bit of my professional background because you're right. I this is I'm an I am relatively new in the sports world. So um, when I went to, when I went to law school, I didn't envision a career in sports. Um, I'd actually been prior to law school, I was a teacher on on a few Indian reservations and, and doing volunteer work, and I really started to enjoy policy and advocacy. And I said, I'll get a law degree because it's a very versatile degree. I can write, I can teach, I can advocate, I can do a lot with it. And so I went through law school and, you know, just found courses and, and, and things that it really gravitated um, towards. And one of the things, it, it's funny, so I, I was really interested in federal Indian law. Um, I talked to a mentor at the time, and I'm, I'm mentioning this because there's, a, there's an analogy to a sports team. Tribes all have their own cultures, and so do clubs. So, it, you know, her advice was learn something, you know, Clubs, tribes, they all know their own laws. They know their sports laws. They know their, they know their tribal laws, but they don't know the complex tax law or finance law or you know, insurance or all that stuff. So, so specialize in something like that, and then you can bring that value back to that community. So I went down the road of tax law. I, don't, I just was interested, and I found, I don't know, I don't know why, but, <laughs> but it just, it, there was certain things about it, maybe because it was, you could find answers that were black and white, and I ended up doing that for a while. Then life happens and you end up, you know, I met my husband, we had two kids in that time. And all of a sudden you look back and it's like, wow, I've been doing this for 10 years. And this is not at all what I wanted, you know, I had envisioned for my career. 
Um, we had a great time during that time. Like we, we lived in Switzerland, you know, had different life experiences, but it was like, now it's time to really focus on that path I want to go on. Um, I ended up taking a job in-house after practicing externally in an international law firm for a decade. I went in-house um, to an Indian tribe, um, did that for a couple of years. And, you know, the culture there, it's like you can compare, like I said, one club to another. Each, each tribe has its own culture. Things were good there. At the time, um, this was 2018, PASPA was overturned. So um, sports betting became legalized. And someone, our tribe happened to do gaming. Someone from the, the tribe had left to go work on the technology piece of a new sports book, called me and said, hey, do you wanna become our, our head general counsel for a sports book? And I said, yes, because this was a chance for me to grow in this burgeoning industry. And, and um, I saw it more as a tech startup. I've never gambled, but it was really like the technology that went into it all. And it was building something from scratch, which really appealed to me. So I said yes to that opportunity. And then now, so that's that's somewhat related to sports because it's sports betting. So that was my first, you know, entrance into the real sports world aside from, you know, doing sponsorship agreements with, with the tribes and their stadiums. Um, at that point, I had another mentor and you'll see a theme with mentors here. Um, and, and she and I had dinner, her name is Jennifer and she's in sports law. And she said, hey, would you ever consider working for a club? And I said, oh, I'd love to. I, I mean, I've always loved sports, but it just never occurred to me. Plus I was like, they wouldn't be interested. I have no background in sports. She said, just send me your resume. And I kind of forgot about it. And then I got a call a month later from a recruiter, completely forgot about it and said, you know, we saw your background. We find it a little curious and, you know, we just want to learn more. And so that's, a, you know, sorry for all that background, but it's just, it kind of like shows the, the trajectory is very long and protracted. Um, so I went through the the interview process with the Jets. It was several months and it was during the season. So it would take a while between interviews because there was lots of people to interview and, and things going on with the season. Um, and at first I didn't have any expectations. I thought this would just be interesting. And then I met more and more people in the club and I was like, wow, I really wanna work here because I really started enjoying the time I was spending with the people I was talking to there and just felt that that sense of camaraderie and, and community that you don't feel in like a big corporation necessarily. So in terms of how I stood out, I don't, I don't know. I don't really think I stood out. I mean, obviously I got the job, but I think there's a lot of people that stood out. And I think that um, to use a sports analogy, you know, if, if the team's looking for a pitcher and I'm the world's best shortstop, it doesn't mean I'm not good at my job. It's just the role that they needed. So I think in our circumstance, Jaime Elhai is our president. He was the former general counsel of the team. He knew everything he needed to know about sports law and, and, and everything on the football side. Um, and so here I was, a person that knew everything about tax and data privacy and commercial agreements and just something that would complement him. That being said, if it was a different president that didn't have a legal background, maybe they'd have gone in a different direction. So I think that you never know, like these, these opportunities you say yes to, they all become tools you put in your toolkit. And you never know what maybe that end goal is gonna look like, but you just start developing skills and you know the right opportunity comes along at the right time and you're ready. But it also shows you don't have to necessarily be in sports from day one to, to end up in sports. You can just take opportunities where you feel like you're gonna grow and just build on them. 
Yeah. I love that advice. Take opportunities where you feel you're going to grow and then adding to your personal toolbox, because if you put yourself out there, there's going to be an opportunity that needs your unique toolbox. So at this time, what do you have uh, as far as advice for job seekers? There's a lot of people out there that are looking for um, a job or the next step in their career. Um, having gone through it about a year and a half ago, you know, in hindsight, what advice do you have? Yeah, I have a few things that really helped me through it. And, and one of them came from a friend and mentor and colleague. Her name is Beth. You know, she had, she had watched an article or an interview and she said that like what she learned from it. And I, I took this into the interviews was when people interview you, they want to understand how you're going to just be able to jump in and help on day one. So they don't necessarily care about what your resume says. Once you've got been screened past the resume, you know, there's a baseline level of competency that you're expected to have, but you're going to spend more hours each day with your colleagues than you are your family sometimes, right? So you want to make sure that you're a pleasure to work with. So I would worry, I, you know, know your stuff, know your technical stuff, but also when you go in there, show people how you're going to be able to help and show people that you're a pleasure to work with and be an active listener in those interviews, ask thoughtful questions, um, learn how to communicate what drives you. Because you also don't want to take a job just for the sake of taking it. You want to make sure that, you know, you're interviewing a place just as much as they're interviewing you. So you want to be able to articulate, this is where I'm interested in growing, you know, make sure it's the right fit. Um, and then also, before you even get to that interview phase, you have to find the opportunities. And I don't think I realized until maybe this past job with the Jets and my relationship with my colleague Jennifer, you start realizing as your career evolves how much interpersonal relationships matter. And especially coming out of this pandemic where you know people were very isolated. And so you really had to tap into your network or build your network, have your community, and let people know what you're interested in because there's people that tell me, you know, I'm doing this job in sales, but I actually have a background in production. So if I hear of an opportunity, you know, they may not be looking, but I might say, hey, I just heard of this opportunity. So don't be afraid to, you know, talk to your network, share the stuff that you're interested in and, you know, reach out to people, look, look at people who maybe, you know, have a path that you're interested in. But I will say, don't just reach out, you know, I'll get this for a lot of people will reach out on LinkedIn. I'm sure you do too. And it's a very canned generic message. It's not that I don't want to be rude, but there's just a lot to go on in a day. So I may not have time. And, and if, and if you haven't put the time or thought into knowing what I'm about, I may not be able to respond. But if I find somebody who's really thoughtful and, and takes the time to write something that's really, you know, you could tell they, they did their homework, I'm going to be impressed right away. I'm going to reach out. I'll have a virtual meeting. Um, even if it doesn't lead to a job, it becomes a mentoring role in, in, in some respects. And you end up possibly remembering them for an opportunity. I actually have an intern starting next week, and that's how it happened. I had no relationship with her, but she really stood out to me in how thoughtful she was when she just wanted to get to know me during her semester. So, you never yeah, know. I'm so happy you pointed that out, that thoughtfulness piece on the cold reach out. It's wonderful to go out there and network and put yourself out there and try to connect. But 
I'm the same way as you, Jill. I, if you just ask me in a, a generic question, like, how did you get your job? Or do you have a half an hour where I can pick your brain? Like I, I'm, I don't, I don't have time for that. Most, most people don't have time for that. But if you can say, Hey, I listened to Jill, I listened to your interview on this podcast. I thought what you said about this topic was really interesting. I'd love to learn more. Well, okay. That's going to pique your interest. You put some some thought into and some time into that outreach before before you did it. And the other thing I wanted to touch on was what you said about interviewing. And when people interview, you said they want to know how you're going to jump in on day one. And I thought that was a really great tip because I've recently we've had some positions open at my company and I've been interviewing folks. And it, it's been a minute since I've had so many interviews with with people. And um, I was talking to this one candidate and this person could tell that, you know, they really wanted the job, which I appreciate so much, but it was this really rapid, like detailed review of their resume, which I had read, you know, which is why we were on the phone (laughs) and they didn't have any questions for me. It was like, I want you to know all these things about me. I'm capable of doing the job. But if you're going to work for an organization, like you've got to be curious about what they're up to and then find a way when they answer that question to figure out like how you can be a contributor. So wanted to share that because that was pretty eye-opening for me this, this week, this, this person was very qualified, but the lengthy 20 minute explanation of reviewing the resume wasn't really something that we needed to cover. I wanted to get to know them and to your point, understand how they could jump in on day one and and help out the company. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge piece because if you feel like you're going to be a drain or, you know, cause more work for the person, it's the opposite of why they're, they're interviewing you. Um, And I'll say this, I, I was very nervous going into the Jets interview and um, felt like, okay, how am I, I don't know this stuff about, you know, football. And I mean, I know enough, but I don't know the nuances and the minutiae. So, so I was really nervous about all that stuff. And I had a friend, um, Katie, I mentioned all my friends' names, by the way, because the, you know, I wouldn't be here without the support of my village and they're all just, you know, fantastic people. Um, but Katie, I remember her texting me when I was on my way to the first interview and she's like, Jill, you're one of the most capable people I know you'll figure it out. And that dawned on me that it's so true, not just about me, but being capable. But when I'm looking at candidates, I don't really care as long, like, look, for me, it's, it's law. So if you've passed the bar, you've gone through law school, like, I'm going to expect you can read and do a few things, but, but um, I want to know you're able to just figure it out. And I want to get a sense of who you are and how you think about things. So the questions you ask are important because you figure out, you get a sense of how someone is going to analyze an issue. And so if you see an opportunity and you feel like you may not tick every box, I know there's been studies done. I, I, I want to say one was done by Hewlett Packard. I don't know the, the data or anything. I'm not, I was a tax lawyer. I'm not good at numbers though. <laughs> um, but I, I remember that women will, it, the statistic was something like, but, but women will um, not apply for a job if they don't hit all the criteria for the job where a man will. And it's this, you know, tendency to kind of maybe doubt our capabilities. So even if you don't have every, you meet every criteria, 
for an opportunity. I mean, as long as there's some semblance of connection to your past, go for it. I mean, the worst is you don't hear anything, but you might kick yourself for not like just putting yourself out there and, and seeing if if it was a fit after all. So, cause sometimes people just use canned job descriptions, but when they find the right personality that fits, they're going to work with you and you're going to be capable of figuring it out. Yeah, 100%. And it goes to the point that you spend a lot of time with the people that you work with. And so finding that connection um, with a new hire in the interview and understanding how they can contribute are equally important. And you mention a lot of your mentors and the people in your life that have helped you get to where you are today. Young, for young people, young listeners, or even those who are somewhere in their career, but don't find that they've got mentors around them. Who are your career mentors and how did you identify those individuals? Yeah. So I've, I've have a lot of mentors. Um, I, I'll just say, name another person, my friend, Jared at the Jets, he, and I were talking about this topic a few weeks ago, coincidentally, and he had just heard a speaker say, and this really resonated with me. I'd never heard it before. Now I love it. Don't look for the mentor in your life. Look for, like, treat yourself as this, um, this personal, look for a personal board of directors. Look for your community and not just this one person, because there's so many facets to who we are as humans. And someone like me who hasn't worked in sports, I've worked in different industries. I have mentors from different you know, backgrounds. Someone may know a lot about finance. Someone may just be a great advocate for me or a thoughtful critic or you know, an industry expert. So you build, you're not going to have one person that can always fit all of those things that you're going to need to develop. So rather than looking for that mentor, look for that board of advisors and don't, you know, look for people that <laughs> sometimes people want to be the smartest in the room, but look for the people who are smarter than you, because otherwise you just get bored hearing advice that I could have thought of that myself, but look for those people who aren't going to be afraid to give you honest feedback and tell you how you're going to grow. And also if you do have people that you identify in your board, um, you don't have to feel like everything they say is, is true for you. Because I think if, if I give feedback to a student and even 10% of it resonates with them, then that's helpful. Because I've talked to a lot of people where there'll be like one or two things they said that I that stick with me, but there's a lot that, you know, maybe not doesn't fit my path or my background or, or what I want for my career. So, you know, just, just don't be afraid to talk to a lot of people. You'll organically find those, your network and, um, don't feel like everything that anyone says is, is like hundred percent true. <laughs> you know, just, just, tr just trust your gut and what resonates for you in your path. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's certain things, obviously, like I have friends that are going to tell me I'm capable. They're not going to be the same people who are going to give me advice on, you know, how to deal with a tax issue with the stadium or something. So, so you need a, a broad network of, of like sounding boards from very diverse backgrounds. I love that. Your own personal board of directors is a great way to think about it because one-to-one, -one, you know, it doesn't have to be this, this one person giving you this specific set of advice that follows this specific road that you should be traveling down. So having a diverse set of, of uh, advice or a sounding board is, is really important. And I also think like 
that lets a little bit of the pressure off. I think people sometimes get really wrapped up in like, I've got to find this one mentor, this one person who's going to be my, the guiding light for my career. Um, but really it can be a, a group of, of people, a collection of individuals. Um, I also think it doesn't have to be someone that you personally know, like you can find mentorship through this podcast. Um, you can follow Jill, you know, and, and see what she's up to and, and consider her a mentor, um, by watching what she's doing and how she's behaving or any of the other guests or any of the other great, you know, podcasts out there. Um, you can consider those people part of your board of directors, even a great book. You know, we all reference Brene Brown. I feel like she's sort of in my toolkit. Yes. Yes. And I promise you, if you look at my path, like there's not a person that could have been my mentor because, you know, there's not a lot of lawyers that work in the NFL that also worked on an Indian reservation. So you just, you have to have that broad range, especially if you're pivoting into different industries. Thank you for listening to Leadership is Female. It's June and we've got three big things going on on the podcast. First, calling all interns. We have four eight-week internships available in social media, website development, PR, and content. Are you interested? These are resume-boosting, learning, and networking opportunities for you. Check out our Instagram for details. Number two, the Young Leaders Series is coming up in July. This four-part series has one spot available by nomination. Have someone who works for you who is a star? Email us at leadershipisfemale.com to nominate. And three, all new email subscribers in the month of June will be entered to win a high-performance planner, and one lucky winner will be chosen at the end of the month. If you have not subscribed, head to leadershipisfemale.com and subscribe today. Throughout this season of Leadership is Female, I've talked with several founders of the Pro Sports Assembly. I'm glad to become a founder too and invite you to join us at prosportsassembly.com. We are the Association for People Who Work in Professional Sports. Our core purpose is the advancement of diverse and inclusive leadership. From finance to innovation, operations and sales to social responsibility, marketing, human resources, and analytics, the Assembly aims to ensure pro sports has a diverse and talented pipeline to lead these efforts and more. Visit prosportsassembly.com to learn more. You've had a interesting career path that's ultimately led you to this job with, with the Jets. Can you talk about um, a big hurdle in your career or a most challenging moment, or maybe it's a, a set of, of moments or circumstances? Yeah, I mean, I would say the most challenging moment in my, my career has been this past year. And it's not just because I was working with the Jets, but it was obviously, I think this is for a lot of people, the pandemic, um, especially if you started a new job during this time. Um, in a role like like being the attorney of the team, you have to develop a lot of interpersonal trust. If people don't trust the attorney, they're going to kind of work around the legal department to get stuff done, and then you you're putting the organization at greater risk if they're signing contracts without you know having legal review them. And a lot of my colleagues I never met in person, and I had to build this um, relationship with them. Not just like a hey how you doing, but like I really have to trust you and feel like you're going to have my back. 
Um, so the way I would normally, I had, I had an idea of how I was going to start this job, the way I started other ones and, you know, meet with different departments and, you know, figure out what their needs are, their concerns. And that just all that playbook just went out the window, it wasn't possible. So, you know, you just have to adapt to the situation. And um, I ended up just finding time to talk to people on Zoom, like a lot of us did. Um, and in some ways, I think it accelerated closer relationships because you get to see people when they're vulnerable and you get to, they're also in their homes and you're seeing their their pets and their kids and everything. So you're getting to know more about the person as a whole. And also they're outside of the office. So maybe they're gonna speak more candidly about things and the stuff they wanna focus on. Um, but it, it took a lot of time and a lot of mental energy. I learned from that process, you know, one of the most important skills I had developed in my career, which I, I maybe didn't occur to me until now was that I became a really, um, it, it's a skill set, but I became an active listener. And it's not, you know, people say they listen, but it's that, it's like, are you listening, ready to respond with your own thoughts about it? Are you truly listening? And so that was something I really had to work on and develop. And, um, you know, it's, it's been, I think the relationships have been been really great at the Jets, um, but be, part of it was because I was really listening, paying attention so that I could talk to people later and say, I remember you said that this was a concern. So I highlighted it in this deal for you. Um, making sure that if I'm doing a sponsorship deal and it's for technology, that I'm talking to the IT department to make sure it works in our platform and just drawing those, those connections where people are like, okay, Jill is going to take care of this and I trust her to do that. And um, she's not a person that's just going to say no all the time. Like I always try to get to yes. So I'm listening and I'm like, okay, we're missing a few facts here to get to yes, but like we can do that. We just have to add one or two more facts. So let's, let's figure out if we can tweak this a little bit, then, then we can do it. So it's really that ability to listen. So it wasn't like just one moment in time, but it was this, this, um, this whole past year. And I didn't really appreciate it. I think until now that we're kind of back in on a hybrid basis, meeting these people in, in, there was one girl I never met in person. I ran into her in the parking lot the other day, I ran into her and we hugged like old friends. And it was just so special because you know, <laughs> it was like, we had this, this bond that came through virtually. So um, yeah, I would say that was definitely a challenge. There's a lot of every day there's challenges, right? But that was one that's really pronounced. I think we'll stick with this past year will stick with me throughout the rest of my career and life. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear that. And it's, it's been a challenge for so many of us to go, go from home and be so scheduled with our calls versus pop-ins and not get to know people, you know, person to person, but through the screen. I want to dig in just a little bit to what you said about building that skill set of being an active listener and finding finding a pathway to yes. I think many of us have worked with people in the past who it's easier to say no, or we've been that person that it's easier to say no. So how did you build that skill set? Do you have any tips for, for us on how we can become better listeners? better active listeners and how we can look for pathways to a yes versus throwing up the roadblock of no. Uh, yeah, I think that part of it is in how you approach um, leadership. And 
I say leadership, even if you're starting your career, because I believe there's leaders at every level in an organization, um, from the most junior level to the top. Early on in my career, I didn't think that way. And I stayed quiet because I thought, I've got to listen to the people at the top. They must know everything. And they know more about certain things, of course, but it doesn't mean that they're necessarily leading. Sometimes they're just managing. And I think there's a difference there. So in how you lead, it's it's how you're serving the people around you and, and you know, making sure other people's needs are met, making sure that you're, um, it goes back to what I said about interviewing, like, how are you going to help, right? So how do we take care of, of the team around you? Um, if you just take the focus off yourself for a minute and just actually try to have some empathy, try to sit and be present to the conversation, the work's always going to be able to be done, you know, especially nowadays after hours, unfortunately, because, you know, we're all working virtually. But um, I think it's, you start paying attention, the more you're truly in that mindset of how can I help this person develop? And um, it just kind of grows from there. You start listening differently. You, you start, it's the way you listen to somebody in your personal life. You know, if, if they're struggling with something, you're going to listen to them, hopefully <laughs> more closely and, and not focus on just your, what your response is going to be, but, you know, giving people the, face, the place to feel safe. Um, and that, that also in turn creates some sort of, um, loyalty is the right word, but if people feel like you're really listening to them and you have their back and you're going to advocate for them and help them grow, then they're going to do the same for you. And you're also going to be able to evolve to the next level because they've now acquired skills and learned how to do things that maybe they can replace certain things that you've been doing. So I, I think some people have a tendency to hoard you know, knowledge or um, work because they're like, I want to show that I'm valuable. And, you know, you're not giving that person that opportunity to develop. Um, and I think the more you, you do that, you're kind of um, being short-sighted and hurting your own career because the more you can kind of help someone evolve and grow through listening to how they want to grow and how they want to develop their skill set, it's just going to only going to help you grow because now you can delegate some of the things you couldn't before. And I'm not just talking about, for me, other lawyers. I've worked with people in the finance department, sales that are actually helping the legal department. Um, you know, you don't have to be a lawyer to read a contract, yeah, but you do have to have an attention to detail. So I have someone in sales who will sometimes review the contracts with me because it's only me and I'm, you know, <laughs> one human. So there's different, um, yeah, there, it comes from that listening, it, it develops trust. Um, I don't know if that really answers the question in terms of how to develop those skills, but it's it's just something like with anything, it's you you develop muscle memory, you practice it. You like you tell yourself, was I really listening? I can't remember a thing that person just said. Okay, maybe next time I'll, I'll listen better. Pay attention to names, pay attention to all that. You know, it, it, it all it's all the detail. It makes the person feel heard, you know, so. That's another thing. My last name's Kelly. So I'll get a lot of emails where they'll call me Kelly. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, you're not really paying attention to the details. So, um, you know, that's just part of listening. It's not just, you know, orally, but also how we're listening to people communicate in other mediums as well. Yeah. I think you said something really poignant there. How can I help this person develop? Think about that mindset when you're, having a conversation with someone and you're really, you're, you're suggesting approaching it from this mindset of, of service. And I think that's a really great tip on how to 
practice and develop an active listening skill is sort of putting that script in your head. Like, how can I help this person develop? Well, in order to help them develop, you have to really hear and listen to what their issues are, their problems, if they're going to lean on you to help them to be solved. So you're not thinking about your response. You should be considering where you can contribute to, to their growth. So I love, I love that you said that. And I think all of us really need to work on that skill, especially today's environment. We're so fast paced that you can easily be pinged on your Apple watch or your iPhone about your next meeting. And you just rush through the day. And, um, I think if we all spent a little bit more time sinking into the tasks, sinking into the people, you know, I think that puts you a little further ahead. Absolutely. And in the long run, it'll make your life easier because you'll have that community of people who want to see you do well because you helped them in turn. So they're going to be there in the tough times for you as well. What has been the proudest moment in your career? (sighs) Kind of like the hurdle. I don't think there was one significant moment. I think that you you have enough experiences and then all of a sudden you have this eureka, like where you look back and you say, oh, wow, look at what I just did. <laughs> so so for me, I think it was like this critical mass of things. Um, I tend to be, I think like a lot of women, I tend to by nature be a, war, a warrior, not like a warrior with an A, but like I worry about things. And especially as a mom, if you're in environments where sometimes you're the only female in the room too, you're very cognizant of that. So I used to, early in my career, I just wanted to be a perfectionist. I didn't I didn't want to have any flaws or, you know, any mistakes in my memos or anything. And, you know, I just wanted to kind of have that armor around me. Um, This past year, and maybe even a few um, jobs before the Jets, I started hearing feedback that I think as as a young um, professional, I would have, it would have really stressed me out. but I, I started listening to it differently because I knew that it was going to help me grow. I put my ego down and um, I was less worried. I was like, oh, this is really great. This person's being honest with me. Didn't have to agree with everything they said, but it was this ability to hear um, hard feedback or hard news or you know whether it was about me or somebody else and be able to be constructive about it rather than like, the sky is falling and everything's horrible. It, it's just, I think that, I don't know when that happened, but I think you start, you have a career, you start off and you think, oh, everyone must feel this way. Then as you kind of develop, you realize everybody's nervous. Everybody's afraid of that, you know, making that mistake. I tend to like laugh more at mistakes now because I've made enough to know that there's very few things that you can't fix, you know? <laughs> so, so you just, you have to have a bit of a sense of humor with it, but um, yeah. So it wasn't like this, this moment that happened, but all of a sudden I realized I was hearing things that I think would have broke me as, as a young lawyer or, or, you know, out in the world working that now I'm just like, eh, okay, that's your opinion. Or oh, I really, that's so true. Like, thank you for that. Thank you for that feedback. So it was just that I felt confident enough in who I was to hear things like that and, and use them in a more constructive way than like beating myself up. I love that you shared that. I think that's as we grow through our career and gain that confidence, um, gain that strength, you sort of weathered a couple of storms at some point that you are more open to hearing the feedback. We had a business consultant come in once and he made us practice 
giving feedback, like really uncomfortable feedback <laughs> to the members of the, of the leadership team. And I remember sitting in my seat, palms sweating, just mm -hmm. what are they going to say to me? We were sitting around a boardroom table and they were all instructed one at a time to give the feedback to each individual. And it was something that you do well, but then it was something that you need to improve on. And when you heard the, the feedback of what you needed to improve on, you just had to say thank you and nod. And so oh, wow. <laughs> by the time I got through, I think it was five or six um, different people, I, I was like, all right, thank you and, and nod. And just that, that exercise, as uncomfortable as it was, it, it, after I walked away, I thought, okay, like it took them courage to say that to me too. And so, you know, it comes, comes from both sides and it's, it's to make you better and to make you better for the company and, and the outcomes that the team is trying to achieve. It's so true. And I, I love that you just mentioned that it's it's also tough to give that feedback and and you sometimes you're thinking about how hard it is when you're hearing it. It takes courage for that person to give it to you and it's because they care and they want to see you do better mm -hmm. and you know none of that stuff is easy and 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 so you just remember that you know, appreciate it, have some gratitude that someone's taking the time don't look at it as they're trying to attack you look at it as like they really want to see you thrive. 100%. So what is your best piece of advice for women today so that we can level up tomorrow? The first piece of advice I have is what I was saying about leadership happening at every level. Don't ever feel like it's too early in your career to start being a leader. Um, you get an opportunity at the ground level. You know, a lot of organizations are not, I mean, if you're at a big multinational corporation, it might be a bit more lockstep but especially in the sports industry, people can kind of create opportunities for you. So if, if you're doing something and you've taken initiative you know, to help you grow organically, then there might be an opportunity that wasn't, there might have been a role that wasn't there that they'll create for you. So focusing on how you're listening and advocating for people, even if you're at the ground level, taking care of other people around you, and I don't believe there's a ground like like from a hierarchy, like one is better than the other. It's just there's always a place you're going to start your career. So I think that, you know, don't ever feel like it's too early in your career to be a leader. Um, I also think for women, if you end up having, you know, children or not, it doesn't really matter. But I've, I've heard this this expression that has been targeted more at moms, but it's like moms, you can have it all, but you can't have it all every day. And I love that because we always talk about this work-life balance and what does that even mean anymore? And, you know, I'm talking to you and like right now I can see my two month pedicure, like the remnants of it. Like I'm not, I'm not balanced and that's okay because I don't look at balance in a 24 hour cycle anymore. And I think I used to beat myself up if I didn't find like I was being the perfect mom every day or the perfect employee. I think you just have to, you, we have to all cut ourselves a break in that sense of of finding the balance and just know that things are cyclical. Like what you and I were saying about um, our busy seasons, you know, I'll be really busy in August, but I won't in July. So I'm going to be maybe, hopefully I'll be like a much more involved mom at that time. So you just have to know that like balance is something, whatever that balance is for you, that you'll find it, but don't stress yourself out. If you feel like 
you know, like this week has been crazy or I, I didn't really work. Sometimes if I'm slow I, at work, I feel like, oh, I must be a bad employee. Like, no, it's, it's you, you kind of recharge at those times because you know it's going to get hectic again. But think of balance more cyclically than just 24 hours. That's my advice just to take care of yourself. That is amazing advice. And I definitely wrote that down and I feel like I'm going to chisel it in stone. <laughs> <laughs> we all should. Yes. And I haven't heard it described in that manner. Like I've heard about, you know, the spectrum and how things shift, but saying that you can have it all, but you can't have it all every day and thinking about that 24 hour cycle. And no one said that the spectrum has to exist in the 24 hour period. Right. And so I think that's, that's so interesting and such a mindset shift. I think for me as well, Um, because when you're trying to achieve at a next level, whether it's in your career or in your home life, we're trying to level up. Um, it, it's not all going to happen equally right. and that's okay. Yep. Yep. And if you try to make it all happen equally, you will burn out. I've been there, done that. And it's just, and it, then you, you're no good to anybody because you're just exhausted and unhappy. So, you know, my husband and I are a good team in that sense where we both work, but we, you know, it's kind of great because we're in different industries and he knows I'm going to be busy at particular times. And I know when he is, and, you know, he's going to be doing more of the lion's share of like, you know, picking up the kids and doing stuff like that. And even before kids, it was like, we're not going to be able to see each other as much during certain cycles. Like when I was in tax, there was tax season there. Every job has seasons. If you're in retail, it's, you know, maybe it's the holiday season or you you just, you just kind of get a sense after being somewhere what that is. And if you try to do it, I mean, you can have rituals every day. Like maybe it's your, your morning coffee or you meditate for five minutes and look, I try to exercise every day. I haven't exercised since April. So it's just, you just know that like, that's okay too. It doesn't mean I'm never going to do that again. Don't beat yourself up. Cause then what is that extra stress doing to you? It's nothing. It doesn't, it's not helpful. So think bigger picture than the 24 hour cycle, because so few things are like complete in 24 hours anyway. Amazing advice, Jill. This has been so much fun. And I want to ask you, like I ask all our guests, can you leave us with your favorite quote? Um, Yes. Well, I have two actually. Okay. And one of them is like what we were talking about, about receiving criticism. And I don't, I, I know these are not my quotes, but I don't know who they are attributed to. The first one is, and I really try to embrace this. And I hope anyone that you talk to that knows me says I, I do this, but I take my work very seriously, but I do not take myself seriously. And so the quote is that take your work, but not yourself seriously. Um, you have to have fun at what you do. Not everything's going to be fun, but if you're not, if you get too worked up about certain things um, about yourself, your personality, the missteps you take, again, it's undue stress. So don't do it. <laughs> But, but, you know, take your, take your work seriously when you need to. Um, the other one that's more broad from just my career, but in life in general is it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. And that was some, again, I don't know who that's attributed to, but it was a men, another mentor of mine from, um, she's a tribal member of the Pequot Nation. Um, and I heard her say that when she's the former treasurer of the tribal council there, her name's Jean. And I just loved that because it's so true. It's like the higher up you, you evolve in your career, I see people who just kind of um, 
manage upwards, you know, because they're, they're trying to impress their bosses or whatever. But it's really, if you want to see how, how like someone's true nature, look at how they're treating the people that report to them, you know, be kind, just, just focus on always serving and, and just, you know, being a decent human. <laughs> so Jill, this has been so much fun. Where can we follow along with you and your amazing career and advice? Well, it's a good question. I mean, I am on LinkedIn. I'm not too, I just haven't had time to be too active on social media, Um, but I have my LinkedIn page for now. You know, there's always some news on the Jets webpage about things that are going on. Um, And I will make a, you know, make a goal to try to be more active on (laughs) social media, but it's that you can have it all not every day. Like I'm still working on that balance in my life. So um, yeah, but follow the jet schedule and you'll know where to find me. Yeah. 100%. Well, Jill, thank you so much for your time, your energy, your advice. This has been such a beautiful conversation and I'm so excited to share. Well, thank you. With that, let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, take your job, but not yourself seriously. Number two, When you are interviewed, the person interviewing you wants to know how you will jump in on day one. Know your technical stuff, but show how you will be able to help the company. Also, show that you are a pleasure to work with. Be an active listener. Ask thoughtful questions. Learn how to communicate what drives you. Number three, interpersonal relationships matter. Let people know what you are interested in. Let people in your network know what you are interested in doing. Don't be afraid to talk to your network and share those thoughts and interests. You never know how that will pay forward in the future of your career. And number four, don't look for a mentor. Don't look for a singular mentor. Look for a personal board of directors. Hey leaders, if you want to be in for a treat, definitely subscribe to this show if you have not done so already because we have so many amazing episodes coming up. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, wherever you listen so you don't miss out. And if you leave us a review or post about me or tag Leadership is Female on your Instagram stories, To talk about the show, we'll enter you into a giveaway. We're giving away something every single month. Some of my favorite things from my favorite work bag to my favorite sunglasses. Make sure that you spread the word and we will reward you for that. I'll also send you a personal thank you note and repost your comments and reviews. Last thing, did this episode bring you any insights, ideas, aha moments, anything you are inspired by. If so, take one second and share the link, post about it on your Instagram, text your friend, email, so many ways to share leadership is female. And if you do post about this show, again, don't forget to tag at leadership is female or at Emily Jansen or my awesome guest today. Because knowing that this conversation made a difference for you means the world to us and we love to see it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us.
This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.